hey, I just want to, sometimes I like to just highlight some people that I see in the room that, that end up making it from time to time. And uh, specifically, I want to highlight some of our FCA family. We got some of our students from Del Sol High School here today. <laughs> FCA fam, thank you guys for being here, worshiping with us. I see some different ones around and just wanted to highlight you guys and say, glad you're here. Because every week we go to the high school and we say, man, we would love for y'all to come hang with us at Walk Church to see some of them here today. It means a lot. So I hope you feel at home. Uh, over the past three weeks, we've been walking through a jam-packed chapter in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. The Lord has given us a head-to-toe, full-body picture of who we are apart from knowing God and having a saving relationship with His Son, Jesus. We learned how we are dead, sinners, trespassers. In verse 1, we learned how we're followers of this world, led by Satan himself, held captive by a spirit of disobedience. Verse 2, we, we learned how we're living by the passions of our flesh. We're lustful in our bodies. We're contaminated in our thinking. And by nature, we're children of the very wrath of God Almighty. In, in three verses, we see who we really are apart from Christ. So just in case you brought the worldview into the room today that apart from Jesus, you're a good person, you're wrong. And don't just hear me say that. Hear the scriptures say, not only are you not a good person, you're a dead person. Living in your flesh, following the course of this world, following the enemy. I'll tell you what, three verses I probably wouldn't have chosen to preach on the past three weeks, but that's why I love expository preaching and allowing God to unfold his word to us as we open it. We see here in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 that, that we're in a bad place apart from Christ. No life, no hope, no anchor to lift us up that we could hold on to. We're actually sinking deep. And to be honest, if the chapter were to end today, that would be our testimony. Dead in our sins and trespasses, objects of God's wrath, but I want to encourage you this morning that that is not where the chapter ends. Amen? There's more of the story to be told. There's more for us to read. There's more for God to unfold, and that is where we pick it up this morning. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 4 through 5, and we'll get as far as we get. Amen? I told the, the guys this week, I said, we're going to try to walk through Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. And they said, wow, two verses? This is a stretch for you. <laughs> and after studying this whole thing, I realized we hope to make it through verse 4. Um, we see two words, two words that can change your life this morning. And I want you to know those today. Father God, I, I come before you one more time. God, this is a prayer service, Lord prayer happening throughout the service, Lord. We don't want it to just be a one-time thing, God. We want to continue to come to you. And now, God, we ask you to speak to us through your word. You've spoken to us through worship. God, you've even spoken to us through one another and encouraging each other. But now, God, we come to a place where we want to hear from you through the preaching of your word, God. Would you just join me in praying two words, just these two words? Just say this to the Lord right now. Just say, help me. That's it, God. 
That's it, God. We want, we help us to listen. Help us to hear. Help us to focus. Help us to know you better today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 5 says it like this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling, But God is all we need. But God is all that you and I need. Let's go ahead and begin in verse 4, and let's go ahead and walk through and unpack this rich verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. I want to highlight the first two words in this text. It says, but God. It's important for us to hone in here and, and, and understand what the author is saying. These two words, but God, need to be ingrained in our hearts and in our minds, not just monthly, not just yearly, but daily. We need to be reminded of this reality, but God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a fantastic preacher and revivalist, says these two words in and of themselves, in a sense, contain the whole of the gospel. Like we, we, we reference the gospel, it could be summed up in two words, but God. The reality that we were dead in our sins and trespasses following the course of this world, enemies of God himself, children of his very righteous wrath, but God. He didn't leave us where he would have been perfectly just to leave us. But God did something different. Last month we shared about game-changing moments in the life of our church and out of the Bible. We talked about what's your game-changing moment. And we use this tagline, when God steps in and changes the game. We talked about different stories that happened in our lives personally, different stories that we saw in the Bible and game-changing moments. And when I was traveling through the airport the other day, I came across this Sports Illustrated magazine. And for all the Alabama football fans in the room, y'all gonna get excited. Uh, heard some roll tides. Uh, but it, it talked about um, how Alabama won the national championship this year in college football. And I just began flipping through it as I had just a few minutes in the airport. And it talked about this young man named Tua, who is a freshman quarterback who hadn't played much all season. And in the championship, the national championship game at halftime, coach said, Tua, you're going in. And this guy came in and changed the game. Not only did he change the game, he won the game. And what was so cool about it is after the game, the first thing that he said was, I just want to give honor and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love the fact that he did that because too often people say, man, I just want to thank God. And we don't know what God they're talking about. Their self could be God. They could be praying to the football God. But he said, I want to be very specific. The Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to praise him. Now, let me tell you about the game-changing moment that I had. And I picked up this article because I wanted to see what they were talking about. And Coach Saban said it like this as he was interviewed. They said, why did you choose to put Tua into the game at that moment? And he said, the moment called for a drastic, desperate move. 
And I remember reading that and I thought, you know what? That's the, that's the state that we're in. I'm, I'm sinful. I'm, I'm dead in my trespasses. I'm following the wrong people. I'm following the world. I'm following the enemy. I got God's wrath coming for me. I need a drastic and desperate move right now. I, I, need, a, I need a but God moment. Amen? And I love what God does is he says, this calls for a drastic and desperate measure. And he looks at his son Jesus and he says, are you willing to go in and change the game? It'll cost you your life. And Jesus says, I'm willing. Come on, right? But God, but God says, yes, yes, I'm willing to change the game. We need a drastic and desperate move. Maybe you'd say today it's not that important to you. You don't need a drastic and desperate move. That, that is blinders from the enemy. The greatest thing that Satan could do is deceive you that he's not real or that you don't need to be saved radically and desperately. The reality is we all do. We see this phrase, but God. This word but is an interesting word in the Bible. It's used in a variety of different places. It's actually the Greek word day. It's a simple D-E. It's the Greek word day. The Thayer's Greek lexicon says it like this about the word day. It serves to mark a transition to something new. By this use of the particle, the new addition is distinguished from and, as it were, opposed to what goes before. The point is, when he uses the word day here, this word but, he's saying, everything that I just said, now I'm going to transition but into this new point. Therefore, we should hone in here and really grasp what the author is saying. It's a transitional word reminding us where we came from but not leaving us there, right? Is pointing us to where, to where we're going, to something new. Once again, I'm reminded of the past three weeks as I think about this word but because I have to. Because I don't understand the but God moment unless I fully understand verse 1 through 3. The ESV study Bible paints it well by saying, No hopeless fate looks any grimmer than that which awaits the forlorn company of mankind marching behind the prince of the power of the air to their destruction under divine wrath. Just when we think things look the most desolate, Paul utters the greatest short phrase in the history of human speech. But God. Like just, just when you thought, I got the full picture. I'm all messed up. I got my mug shot of just, I'm done. There's this phrase that's uttered, day. But God has something else to say about that. Wow. And it's God having something to say about his own wrath, right? Like, this is incredible, right? But God... Statement shows that God still cares, amen? The, the, the but phrase shows that, that God still loves. God is being patient. God has more to write in your story. God continues to be willing. God continues to have purpose. God continues to pursue people that are messed up. It's what we see here. The phrase but points us to the very character of God, the very nature of God. 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 I want us to understand 
who it is we're talking about when we say, but God. This word pushes us now into who the but refers to. It's but God. And I don't want to assume that we know who God is today. You could be saved for years and not fully know who God is. I want you to actually know the character and nature and attributes of the but God that we're talking about here today. This word God is actually the Greek word theos. Theos means deity. God the Father, the Lord. It translates into the Hebrew words Elohim or Yahweh, which are the words that God had chosen to be referred to in the Old Testament, specifically in Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, when he appeared to Moses in the burning bush and he said, my name is I am. Yahweh, Elohim, the Lord, the one who was and is and is to come. Someone would say, who would created God? Nobody created God. God has always been. Well, when this is ending, he'll never end. He always is. And this is the God that we're talking about when you hear the phrase, but that God had something to say. He, he decided to intervene. We learn that God is sovereign. That's something that I want to pull out about the character and attributes and nature of God. God is a sovereign God. What does sovereign mean? That's kind of a big word. We don't use that too often in our vocabulary. God is sovereign. It means that God rules. God reigns. God is large and in charge. Amen? He is not small, okay? He is tall. He is big. He's a very big Large and in charge God. He's sovereign over the universe. He's sovereign over our world. He's sovereign over our nation. He's sovereign over all that's happening in our day to day, which gives me hope and that I can have the reality that I don't have to fear because my God, even though things look crazy, my God's in charge. Actually, a lot of the stuff has already been told it's going to happen. So we shouldn't be quite surprised when things happen because God is in charge. How do you know he's in charge? He told us it was going to happen. He's large and in charge. He is sovereign. Right? Some people say, man, you just, God's, you know, you just like, you just love God because he's your crutch. I'd be like, man, God's not just my crutch. He's, he's more than that. <laughs> like, he's not just a crutch. Like, he's the whole thing. Like, don't say God's the co-pilot. God's the whole plane, right? Like, like we're all, we're like riding God. Like, I just want to be on the coattail of God. He's bigger than that, right? He's, he's all those things. He's God. Don't, don't belittle God. Our sin, we've, we've belittled God. And God in his wrath says he won't put up with it. But if we want to take place in the but God moment, it would be wise for us to do that. God is sovereign. He's in charge. He's big. He's also holy. We see that God is a holy God. What does the word holy mean? Simply put, it means set apart. He's different. He's not of this world. Even Jesus was in the world, but he wasn't of the world. He came to, to people in the world so that they would know God, know the character of God, sovereign God, holy God. And I love how this holy God is not going to allow our sin and our disobedience to just be content with. God's not going to just say, that, that's okay, we'll just sweep over it as if we could commit a crime publicly today and just show up in the courtroom and have the judge say, oh, it's okay. I'm not going to accuse you of that. 
That would be no justice. We would all have a problem with that, wouldn't we? But we don't have a problem with God doing that. God saying, hey, I'm a just God. I can't let you just break my law left and right and not have judgment or punishment for that. And the good news is, the but God moment is that instead of God punishing you for your sin, he chose to punish his son for your sin. And Jesus said, I do that willingly. Right? Like, that's Jesus' choice. That's why we call it amazing grace. Unending love. God is holy. If you look at the cross and the blood of Jesus spilled for us on the cross, what we're singing about today. You'll see this beautiful paradox, this picture of God's holy wrath and yet God's unfailing love in the same moment, right? The cross should tell you how terrifying your sin is and how much at the same time loving God is toward you, right? That is the purpose of the cross. It should compel us to a relationship with the Father. By nature, we were children of wrath. Why? Because God's holy, God's sovereign and God's holy, but we don't, we don't end there. We also realize that God, come on, God is good, right? God is good. Yeah, I heard somebody say all the time, and all the time, God is good. A couple of people got that, right? We learned something here with the phrase, but God. And here's what I realized, that God is so much gooder, if that's a word, better. No, not a word. I won't say it again. God is so much better, so much better than we could have ever dreamed. He's so much better than we would have ever dare hoped. He is so good. I like how Tim Keller says it in his commentary on the Ephesians. The first three verses of chapter two are all about what we have done and what we therefore deserve. The next four verses are all about what God has done and what we therefore deserve enjoy. Wow. I'll tell you what, you can bring your best shot to the game and you won't win. You need, you are, you are in need of a drastic and desperate move from God. Today and tomorrow and forevermore. We need him. God's, the, the, the fight is fixed. It's set up that way. We need him. We need this good God, I want us to be reminded how sweet these phrases, but God, should mean to us. I want to do an activity. Sometimes we do <clears throat> activities at Walk Church, and it requires crowd participation. <clears throat> Are you guys up for that? If, you, if you're ready, say ready. ready. <clears throat> I like it. I'm going to have us read through Ephesians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1 through five, and whenever I point to you, I want you to say, but God, all right? Let's try it. One more time, try it. I like it, let's do this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Come on, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Being rich in mercy, right? But God, 
being rich in mercy. You just read the scriptures. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's that. You got to remember that. You were dead, but God, you were a sinner. But God, I was, I trespassed him. But God, I was, you can fill in the blank. You were an, you were an addict, but God. Right? You, you were living in sin. You, you were all heading, but God, I know this to be true of my own story. I do. I was actually at a wedding a couple days ago, and this lady approached me at the wedding. And she said, I am so excited about your story, about how God is at work in your life. We've been following along. I said, that's awesome. She said, yeah, my daughter went to school with you. It's crazy to see how your story has just come full circle, and now you're back at the school. And I'm just thinking in my head, I know, but God. That's it. That's that's what you're talking about. It's just a but God moment. We should, if you don't have a but God moment, let today be your moment. Like, that scripture is alive today. It's for you. It's like on a platter, like embrace this good news. But God, we go on here to learn not only about who God is, sovereign, holy, and good, but the phrase goes on to tell us about what God has done. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. I like this word rich right here. This is an interesting word. It, it, it caused me to dive deeper into this phrase rich. It's the Greek word plusios, abounding in resources, abundantly supplied is what it means. It means that God has enough resources, enough supply when it says that he is rich. But what's he got abounding resources in? I want you to read this but God phrase. But don't use the word rich. Just say, just say abounding in resources. But God abounding in mercy, right? But God having an abundance of mercy. He's rich in mercy. He's got enough. He has abundantly supplied the mercy that you and I need to be forgiven, set free, and saved. I love the song lyric we've sang before here at Walk Church. It goes like this. A thousand times I've failed, still your mercies remain. Amen? Amen. That's, That's true for us today. Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations is a good book that you can refer to from time to time. He says it like this in verse 23 of chapter 3. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Good news? His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord doesn't come to an end And we see that on display for us right here. I love the first verse that we see in David's psalm after he committed adultery with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2. The first words uttered out of David's mouth in his psalm of repentance is, Have mercy on me, God. Oh God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, 
blot out my transgressions. Amen? Amen. He's saying, oh God, if you would be will, if you got enough mercy in the tank, if in your bag of mercy, if I still got a couple left, could you give them to me now? I, 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 I need your mercy according to your steadfast, the word steadfast, faithful love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. That, that God himself would blot it out, right? He would remove your transgressions, the transgressions that you and I caused us to be dead in our sin. God would say, I'm gonna remove it. I'm gonna put it behind my back where I'll never look at it again because of his mercy toward us. I want to pay homage to a saint and a hero in the faith by the name of Billy Graham, who went home to be with the Lord this past week. Let's go ahead and clap for Dr. Billy Graham, um, who went home to be with the Lord. And can you imagine the party that happened when that brother entered the room? My goodness. Hundreds of thousands of people came to know Jesus just because of his but God moment. He put his yes on the table and he said, God, I'm not qualified. My, I can't speak. What, how am I going to do this but God? And he lived till 99 and put his faith in Christ and God used him to do miracles. And one time Billy Graham was in an interview and someone asked this question. They said, Dr. Graham, how great is God's mercy? Is it limited? So we can only count on it a few times? I love his answer today. The Bible's answer is clear. God's mercy is inexhaustible and far greater than all our sins. Come on. You believe that today? You gotta believe that today. Receive that today. The legacy of Dr. Billy Graham speaks to us today and he says there's still mercy for you. The only time mercy runs out, all right, is when you continue to reject the gospel and you die in your sin. Ephesians chapter two, verse one through three is your testimony if you reject Christ. So I plead with you today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, make things right with him. He did it already. But God is coming, to, his mercy is on display for you, right? Mercy is simply this, God not giving you what you deserve. Like, you deserve the cross. You deserve punishment. You deserve eternal hell. You do. I do too. God's mercy is shown for us in that while we deserve those things, God sent his son for us his mercy we can we can take a bath in mercy we need to we need to jump in the ocean of his mercy that is unending while we can why would God choose to show this type of mercy you may ask like what just happened what happened to the holiness and the righteousness that's all still there but let me tell you why God is this type of merciful God I want to show it to you um, in verse for the second part as we close today. God being rich in mercy because, say it with me, because of the great love with which he loved us. As our worship team gets ready to, to take us into a time of response and worship, I wanna remind us here 
of the great love with which he loved us. Mind you, it doesn't just say love, right? What does it say? What type of love is this? This is great love, amen? Like this is astronomical love. This is big, huge love. I mean, gigantic love that covers all of our sin. There's actually a Greek word for this word love. Does anybody know it? Agape love. Agape love. If, you, if you've never heard of agape love, that's your homework assignment. Go dig into what the word agape means. Here's a few synonyms for the word agape. Unconditional, unending, by choice. I love scriptures in the Bible that refer to marriage. It says that you are called to agape love each other. That means by choice, right? It's not just saying how I feel. This agape love doesn't have to do with the feeling. It's a choice to love us greatly, even in our sins. That's the great love on display for us, church family, that but God, being rich in mercy, abundantly supplying mercy because of the great agape love with which he agape loved us, made us alive together. For by grace, you can be saved today. Amen.